This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. We are in our second lesson on preparing to be used by God, by an almighty God. And we're coming out of the book of Ezra. Chapter 6, and let's, let's just go there and just to establish where we're coming out of. The book of Ezra, and again, you know what Ezra is. Ezra have been called by God and placed in his heart to go back and restore the, uh, uh, Israel in Jerusalem, the time of worship. They had lost all their worship. The, the, the whole Jerusalem was in ruin. Everything was torn down. But now God had Picked a couple of men. You know, God is going to get his work done. I'm going to tell you that. And he picked Nehemiah and Jeremiah to go, I mean, Nehemiah and Ezra to go back and to take care of business. Whenever you're, whenever God gives you something, it doesn't matter who else is in it. What God gives you, a specific assignment, all you have to do is worry about that assignment. And we found out that Ezra was ready. He was a ready scribe, the Bible says. A ready scribe. And we found out why he was. So let's read that right now. You're in uh, Ezra chapter 7, beginning at verse 6. This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was a ready scribe in the law of Moses. Which the, that means he was, he was worded up. He, he understood some things. In the law of Moses, which the word of God, I mean, which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all of his requests according to the hand of the Lord, his God, upon him. And then we jump down to verse 10, and we find out why he was already scribe. It says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Right here we find out that we not only have to hear the law of the word of God or we don't have to we have to do it, not just hear it. It said that he sought the Lord with his heart and then he 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 did what the Lord t- was speaking to his heart about. This morning we everything that we talked about, you got a purpose in your heart to make the change. You got a purpose in your heart to do something different. You got to be a ready scribe right now. You got a purpose in your heart. I'm going to do what God said do, no matter what. Don't don't think about whether, you know, I don't know if God really wants to use me. I know what kind of bondage I'm in. Don't worry about that. God will take care of that. You just ready and steady your heart. You just have your heart in the right place. God is a God is a good God. He's a forgiving God. He's a God that's that your sin is not going to stop his work. Get yourself in the right position, in the right place, so that God can use you. And as we're not going to go through a whole bunch of what we talked about this morning, because I have new information that I want to get to you. But we also said preparation is a choice. It's your choice to want to prepare. It's your choice to want to be in the service of the Lord. It's your choice. Even though He called you, you still have a choice in it. He's not going to force you to do anything. It's your choice. We also said that you have to choose to want to be used by God. We said preparation is the unseen work that will produce 
and show the results of something seen. I gave you an example Sunday before last that of uh, people that exercise. I said you tell you see people that exercise and you look at them and you say, Oh, you look nice, you you know, you're looking all bigger, but you don't see the unseen work they do. You don't see when they're in the gym. You don't see any of those things. You just see the results after the unseen work. Well, it's the same principle in the Word of God. We must do the unseen things and the results will be seen. They will be seen in your life. But you, you, there's not going to be anything seen in your life. See, that's why we have so many people, they can come to church, but you see no results in their lives. It's just the same old thing. There's no results in their life. That, all that tells you is that they're not doing any of the unseen work. Because unseen work is always going to show up. Consistency and unseen work is going to yield you results every time. Amen? And we also talked about, I'm going through these notes. We said the work of restoration is not numerical. It is individual. We're not worried about how many numbers we can get in seats. What we're worried about is, what we're praying about is a heart issue. God is only dealing Tonight with your heart. He's trying to change your heart because he cannot use a dirty heart. He cannot use a wrong heart. You have to have your heart right. It doesn't matter who did what to you. It doesn't matter if you think that you have a right to be, to have a bad heart. None of that matters. The fact that matters is that you must get your heart clean and right in order for God to use you. Sometimes you're wondering, why isn't God using me? And why isn't God? Check your heart. Check your heart. Amen? Because, and and we talked about that in depth this morning. Not going to go back over all of that. It'll take too long. And then we said, one of the things that you have to do for your heart to be healed is the first thing is you have to forgive. If you have some unforgiveness in you, let it go. It's not worth it. Just forgive. Just let, you know what? Forgiveness will set you free. It'll set you free. If you ever want to torture somebody that you're angry with, forgive them. Forgive them because I'm telling you, that's the way you're going to get free. That's the way you're going to get a straight, clean heart. If you just say, I mean, God, I need to. And I know it's easier said than done. I know I've lived it. It's easier said than done. But when you want to do the will of God, you'll do it. You'll say, no, God, I can't, I can't live like this. I can't live like that. And, and we're going to find out why we hold on to things like that. Then we said repentance is not always just about things that you've been caught doing. Sometimes there's some things that nobody knows but you and God. You've got to learn to repent. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to stop doing this and I'm going to go on and do, and I'm going to be right with God. No, you got to repent. And it's not, not for things, you know, we know, as Christians, we know when we've done something wrong, we have to repent, and we do repent. But what about the things that are unseen, that only you and God know about, that you don't repent about? It's still in your heart, and you must repent. And then we talked about guarding, guarding uh, your heart. And we said, first of all, you have to guard what you see. You can't look at everything. You gotta guard what you hear. You gotta, you can't just let anything go to your gaze. That's why, that's why 
my circle is small. That's why you can't just let any and everybody in your circle because it's what's going in your ear gate. You got to be careful what you're letting going in because the more you hear it, the more you're around it, the more you're going to be it. I'm telling you, it's no way that you, I told the, the, the youth back there, it's no way that you can hang around with people that are different. You don't hang around people that are so different from you. See, None of us in here hang out with drug addicts. Why? Because we don't do drugs. You hang around with people that do the same thing you do. Uh, that, that you, you, you do. You hang around people that do the same thing that you do. You hang around, let me tell you, if you're having sex outside of marriage, I guarantee you you're hanging around other women that have sex outside of marriage. You only hang around people that do the same thing you do. And so when you do that, everything and all kinds of things is going to come in your ear gate. And it's going to drop right into your heart. And then we said you have to guard your mind, what you think. Thoughts will go. Your thoughts will take you somewhere you never wanted to go. Thoughts move quick and fast, and if you don't punish them, if you don't capture them, you start thinking one thing after another, and you don't be like, how did I get there, and why, how did I get that thought? Oh, God, I'm so glad nobody heard that thought but you. And you still haven't repented about it, and you still haven't got, just letting anything in. No, you, gotta, you have to guard your mind. Then we said you have to guard your hands. And I told you it's very little sin that you can do without your hands. Mostly every sin is done with the hands. It starts with the hands. You pick it up with your hands. So we need to, be, we need to guard our hands. Then we went to the book of, book of Hebrews and we started on how to change our hearts. We're not going there because we went there this morning. How to change our hearts. And I told you, we can't be prepared without a change of heart. And we know that we are in a dispensation... And we all know what a dispensation is, a span of time where God is preparing us. And it's a time of preparation. It's not your time schedule, it's his time schedule. And he's preparing. So in this time, you must allow allow him to change your heart. You cannot and will not be used by God with the wrong heart. If you can't, if he can't change your heart, then you will not be used by God. I told you about our heart being like concrete. It's a liquid. It has to keep moving. Because if it ever gets solid and concrete and hard, you're not going to let anything in. And we'll get back to that later tonight too. Then I told you <clears throat> what change meant. I told you change means to make different in some way. That's all change is. To make different in some way. And I told you change also meant to convert, to modify, to rebuild, to shift. So that, so, so that whole package there is what God is trying to do with our hearts here at Church of the Living Water. This whole package here. He's changing us in some way. He's changing us by converting, modifying, rebuilding, and the shift is in. And so those that uh, hear this word and gravitate to it and let it saturate and penetrate their hearts, that's the ones that's going to change. 
Then we said to change our hearts, we have to receive correction. Oh, you have to receive correction. Stop getting frustrated with correction. Stop getting offended with correction. You must learn to receive correction. If your heart is going to change, I have to receive correction. Listen to what I didn't say. I didn't say you just had to hear correction. See, a lot of us, I hear it, but I'm not receiving that. Who do they think they are? They not God. I mean, I mean, I don't believe everything they say. Well, you don't have to believe nothing I say, but you got to believe everything God says if He's saying it to you. And how else is He's gonna He's gonna He uh, going to say it to you? He's not getting up off the throne and coming down here. He has representatives in the earth. I'm one of them. There's many representatives that He has on earth, and that's how He's going to speak to you. Let me tell you, if he came and talked to you on your own, you're faint. He's giving you a, a chance to stay, stay on your feet. You couldn't, even, you, couldn't even, you couldn't even stand in his presence. And so, don't, let me tell you, sometimes I wish it was, I was able, I'm able to just minister, and all you could do is hear my voice, and maybe I was in another room somewhere. Because sometimes the package just frustrates people. Or the package distracts people. Or the package, you're thinking everything. See, every one of you, since I've walked up here, you've all had judgments about when I walked up here. It's just natural. And see, sometimes you don't even need to see the package and just hear, hear the word. But you know what? That's neither here nor there. You have to obey either way it goes. Whether you see me or you or not, you've got to be able to obey the word of God. You got to get all the carnality out of your mind. Amen. And then I told you the reason why you need to receive correction is if you're being corrected, it's because you are wrong. You have to understand you can be wrong. I know we're frustrated when people tell us it's wrong. You know why? Because we thought we were right. Usually when God is correcting us about something, and we're like, no, that's not me. Oh, no, I don't see that. No, that's not. It's because you thought you were right. Whenever you think you're right, you never want nobody to tell you that you're wrong. I mean, who wants to be told they're wrong in here? Nobody. Everybody wants. I want to be right. But when God is correcting you, I don't care how right that you've been thinking you are. I don't care how long you've been thinking that you're right. You are wrong. Just receive it like, okay, God, I thought I was right. Don't go trying to negotiate with him. We talked about that this morning. He's not going to negotiate with you. There's nowhere in the scriptures that says you can negotiate with God. He's not that teacher in your classroom where you're trying to go and try. I'm a good student. Like the, like the teacher is going to say, oh, you're a good student. This was wrong, but I'm not going to let it be wrong for you. No, they're going to say, you're wrong. Don't negotiate with God. When God tells you you're wrong, recognize the change. Are you with me? Then we said that we saw in Hebrews chapter 12 uh, where Jesus strived, but he strived against sin, living a sinless life. But I told you that we strive against sin by being corrected. By being corrected. 
See, that's, that ought to make you say, you know what, I need to always be corrected. That's the way you strive against sin. But it takes endurance for a, pe- a person to take correction. It takes maturity for people to take correction. And it never, it never ceases to amaze me and tickles me how people that don't want to see correction can get in the ear of people and people follow it. Follow people that are offended by correction and they get in your ear. They need correcting and then you're going to follow what? No. Everybody here tonight, this correction is here for everyone. Everyone in here, whether you came in as a visitor or not, is never by happenstance that you run into the Word of God. It's for a reason. Recognize it. I told you, correction is not for the weak-minded and the soft. Because then you're going to get offended. You have to have internal fortitude to be corrected in order to be to receive it. You have to say, you know what, God, that is me, and I recognize it. But if you're weak-minded and soft, you're going to be offended. You're going to start talking about the pastor. You're going to start talking about the ministers. You're going to talk about everything. And you're going to put it in the ear of somebody dumb enough to believe it. But all because you don't want to be corrected. We're stronger than that. And I told you, if you want to be right, if you want to have peace, you've got to practice correction. Once I'm corrected, whatever God has corrected me about, you don't say, okay, God, that's me. I'm going to do it and do it one day. No, now whatever he corrected you about, because once God corrected, corrects you, he's going to give you what to do to stay correct. Now you have to practice that. That means whatever he corrected you about, you have to do it at least a year. <laughs> You're like, oh my God. Well, actually, you do it at least a year so you can be totally rid of it. Because it's not like, well, I was going to do it two or three times and go back. No, it's over. I'm corrected. So you got to keep doing that over and over again because most of the time what he's correcting you about is things you have done regularly on a regular basis and you're not going to want to get rid of it and it's going to take some time. So you have to practice whatever he's correcting you about. I got to practice this, practice this, practice this. When it comes up again, what I'm used to doing, I got to stop and say, no, no, no. God told me about that. I'm a practice. I'm going to obey that. And when it comes up again, and you want to do it because you're used to doing it that way, you have to stop and you have to say, nope, God showed me that three months ago, and I'm going to still do that. you got to keep doing it. Everybody say, practice correction. You have to do that if you want. Correction has no value until you practice it. So if, I, if God said, thus saith the Lord... It has no value for you until you're practicing it. Oh, thank God I heard that word tonight and I got it. Yeah, but it's, it's no value until you practice it. Yes, it was good. It was a nugget. It, get, it was given to you. Bam, you got it. But until you practice it, it's just a correction. When, once you start practicing it, then God is going to begin to add on. Add on. Then he's going to begin opening up. Opening you, opening you up. All of that. Until you practice it, correction has no value. Ooh, write that down. 
Correction has no value unless I practice it. Whatever it is God has corrected you about, there must be a practice. Amen? And then I'll show you three ways that God uh, 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 changes us or corrects us. Three ways. I said He corrects us through His Word, by His Spirit, and through authority. And then we went over to Mark chapter 4. We said, for God to change our heart, we must allow the Word of God to change my heart. I have to allow the Word of God to change my heart. And then I told you, we must allow the Word of God to change more. Well, I think this is where we left off, right? We left off right there. So now we'll start the information right there. We Now we must allow the Word of God to change our hearts. Again, I'll tell you this time and time again, and I'm telling it to you now. God is not going to force you to change your heart. He does not do that. He's given you an opportunity for you to allow Him to. You are a free moral agent. God is not going to force you to do anything. I must allow that. The Bible tells us, listen, that the Word of God is profitable for correction. Look it up. The Word of God is profitable for correction. So if I want to profit in the Word of God, correction must be there. Are you, are you following me? And I told you that that's one of the reasons why I'm not very uh, a fan of those devotional books. It's all about what's the, what God is going to bless you with. And those are things are okay. But this is a book of corrections. And being that this is a book of corrections, I need to stay in it. I rarely, rarely read any other book. You know, and they have all kind of books out, and people write all kind of books and all kind of pamphlets and all that. But I rarely, and I got that from my pastor. I found him, pastor. He stayed with the Bible. He's like, I don't, and, and I, well, well, you know, those those books, they got the, you know, scriptures in it. Well, then just go to the scriptures. Just go to the scripture because you know what, your your founding pastor and I did all. Let me tell you, it's always safe to stay here. Because I'm telling you, all these pamphlets and stuff, they, let me, most of the time in all these books that people are writing, they know that you're not going to live any of that. That's money making deal. They already know that you're not. They, but, you know, it's just, just get the book. They're going to read it and they're going to put it on the shelf. They're not going to do any of it. Put a few scriptures in it and Christians will think it's okay. Let me tell you, everything that you ever wanted to know is right here. Everything. Everything you want to know, every answer, every correction, every rebuke, every exhortation is right here. So you don't have to go and buy a whole bunch of stuff. You know, put that in the ministry where God is working and stop buying all of those. Just read your word. Are you with me? So, then, uh, I think this is where we start off. Okay, when we, we're talking about how God's going to change our heart. So we must put, I must allow God's word to. Write that down, and then I'm going to give you different things. And you, can only write, you should only write that once, and then you can write your notes from there. I must allow God's word to, letter A, remain in my heart. 
The adversary is always, always, not sometimes, always trying to get the word out of your heart. Out of my heart. He's going to do the, he, that's all. Remember what we read, we, we, we already read that. Let me, we, you got to understand, once you've heard it and it gets in your heart, he has to do something quick. He doesn't mind you reading it. He don't mind you listening to the tape. He don't mind you doing any of that. But once it gets in your heart, that's the thing that he knows. And what you don't know is that that's where your success lies. So his whole plan is never let them get it in their heart. He's trying to get the word out of your heart. Let me tell you how he uses to get the word out of your heart so you can be aware of it and see if you're functioning in it. This is, this is one of his main ways to get the word out of your heart. Are you ready for it? When the word is correcting you, this is the way he gets it out. He begins to use you to do justification of yourself. You start justifying why you did something or why you didn't do it. When God is trying to get the word in your heart, the adversary is trying to take the word out of your heart. So the adversary's way, he always have us to justify ourselves. That's the way. Notice that about yourself. If you're justifying yourself, Look to your Bible. Every time Jesus would give out a word, there would be somebody that replied. The Bible said, at, at this particular time, he was willing to justify himself. And that's the way the enemy is going to come to you. Let me justify why I'm doing it. Well, see, I did that because, uh-uh. Now that what it is, you have just been corrected and the devil is using you to justify it to not let that correction get in your heart. We will justify ourselves. Why? We were doing it. Mm-mm. Every time, not sometimes. Listen. In other words, the truth Whenever the truth catch you, truth catch you, correction, truth catch you, then you try to justify. Every time we justify as the adversary, that is the adversary taking that correction out of your heart. So if you hear yourself justifying when God has corrected you, you just, and you make an excuse, or you justify why this was happening, or you think it wasn't happening, you just, you're letting the enemy take that truth out of your heart. Remember, the Bible said he comes immediately to take that out of your heart, immediately. Because he knows if it gets in your heart, it's going to be trouble for him. It's going to be great trouble for him. So he's like, I can't let this get in their heart. So again, the way that you'll know the enemy is taking the enemy is taking it out of your heart is once you're corrected, if you try to justify. Well, that's not what I meant. Oh, well, I didn't really mean it like that. Well, that's not what I said. I hear what you're saying, but that's not really, really what I'm doing. Well, I know the Bible says this, but 
What when you now you're saying that, but let me tell you what God hears. God hears, I'm not letting that get in my heart. Whatever you just corrected me about, I'm not letting that get in my heart. See, you hear, I did it because of this, I didn't do it. You that's what you hear. But in the throne of God, He hears, I'm not letting that correction that you just gave me get in my heart. I will not let it. I won't let it stay in me. Listen, it is correction. You are wrong. But I'm not going to let it stay. I don't care. Because I don't see it that way. Let me tell you, there might be many people that you can negotiate with, but not God. And you know why you won't let it stay? Because if you let it stay, you have to change. See? You'd have to change. If you let that correction get down in your heart, you'll have to change. And so because of that, you like, mm-mm, mm-mm. I want to do what I want to do. Listen. What you want is for it to be cemented. Because that's what it's going to be. Remember I told you this morning, cement and cement is the same word. Listen to me. Cement is concrete. Cement, just S-E-M-E-N-T, is the, it's the same word. It means to harden. Same word. So when you try to justify after correction is gone, you are cementing your heart. Making it concrete. Making it hard. That's why the Bible says, harden not your heart in the time that I'm correcting you. Like many did in the past and brought destruction on themselves. Do not harden your heart. So what I'm justifying, what I'm saying is, before that can change me, I have to get that out of me? Yes. In order for your heart to be changed, you got to get it out. So now you need to think, what, am I cementing this in? So if you do cement that in, listen to me. If someone, if God has corrected you in any way, let me show you, let me show you if you see many what has happened. In any way, now when you hear the word, it has nowhere to go. Because it's cemented. It's nowhere to go. So now we see why a lot of people can't grab it. Because why? I have seen I have taken that out. I've justified myself. So I've moved that out. I've made my heart, my heart hardened like concrete. And now when another word goes forth, it has nowhere to go. Can't get in. It's cemented. No place to go. Listen to me. The heart is semen it closed. Semen it closed. So what must I do? Let her be. I must allow the word of God to penetrate my heart. 
That's what he's talking about when he said the stony ground. You have to let the word of God penetrate your heart. In other words, I have to keep with the correction, even if it calls persecution. Even if it calls affliction, i got to stay with it. I'm going to let it penetrate my hard heart. And see, God will correct us, and we know it's God. And then we start to do what God has corrected us about. We start, start doing it, all the things that are required. And all of a sudden, he's like, people are talking about me, criticizing me. All of a sudden, you're dealing with persecution. You know, maybe on campus. Because now we'll go out because I'm doing what God told me to do. Maybe at home. Maybe I'm getting persecuted in the church with affliction. In the church? Yeah, in the church. Well, what do you mean by that? Maybe you, uh, let's, uh, let's just give an example. Let's say that you came and you'd be like, well, I've, I've obeyed the will of God. God has called me to come to this ministry and be in this ministry. And now that I'm in this ministry, they're not letting me do anything. And I know God called me to this ministry. And why they not letting me do that? They're not putting me in any position. They're not letting me get up and do that. They're, what? They're, it seems like I'm being persecuted. And I go to the, you know, I've joined some of the ministries and I've, I've gone to some of the meetings and, and they said, you know, uh, uh, that's not what pastor wants. And pastor's not even in the meeting. And I don't know it. And they say, well, that's not the way C-O-L-W do it. And I don't even know what C-O-L-W do. I, don't, I ain't seen no handbook on it. I'm just being persecuted and afflicted. What's going on? I know, God, you called me here. You told me. But ain't nothing going on. They not letting me do anything. I need to leave. There it is. God is trying to get you to get out of that, getting up and running away because of it's something that don't go your way. You can have afflictions and all you want to do is run. Oh, I need to quit this. Well, uh, you know what? I think it's, you know, time for me to go. Why? That's your problem. That's what you do. You know what? I can pretty much tell people that come to other ministry, and I try to take some under my wing and, and everything, but you can always tell those that don't sit in the ministry. They're up and gone. And they had another ministry. They came from another one. They came from this one. They came from that one. God is trying to tell you to be still, sit down, and take whatever it is. That's been your problem. You don't want to be corrected. You don't want, you want things to go your way. And when they don't, you're ready to run. God is trying to break up something that's not good in you. He's trying to break through that thing in your heart. I don't know. I, you know, uh, persecution coming from, you know. God will use whatever it takes to get you where you need to be. Sometimes God will allow all of that to go on. So you can stop doing what you always done. Let us see, I have to allow God's word to take priority in my heart. How many of you know when correction comes, you are to, you're caught up in the cares and the pursuit and the lust of other things and correction comes to get you out of that, whether you know it or not? What happened to many young adults that have grown up even in this church? <sighs> Listen to this closely. 
And I, and I, and I feel a, a real compassion about the young adults in this church. Because I see it, and I've seen it, and I see the way, where they are. And they grew up in the church. Let's just say, I can't talk about every church, but let's just say that they grew up in this church. And it's the foundation, it's the foundation that they got at this church that have allowed them to get where they are now. Whether they, you know, it's allowed them to get a good education. From the foundation, oh no, no, that was my dad's money, that was my father. No, 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 it was the foundation of this church that allowed you to even go to college. Because God had to teach your parents how to be stable enough to get all of that done. See, we just think it's just a... And that was your foundation. You grew up here in it. It was the foundation of this church that got you your degree. Then all of a sudden, all the things that being in the Lord provided for us becomes a thing that becomes our priority. That's the sad part. The things that, that you got blessed with because of the foundation, because you were in this ministry, because God had, had placed your parents here and grew you up here, now those things have become your priority. Perhaps, give us some examples, uh, uh, Pastor. Let's say God blessed me to meet a faithful man a virtuous woman here in my church. God blessed me to go through a premarital class so that my marriage could succeed. We, we, we have the marital class so that your marriage will succeed. To pull you out of the fire. To allow you to have a good home. All of that. This Foundation in this church have taught you how to be a father, how to be a mother, taught you how to be a husband. And I found in Pastor taught a lot of men how to be good husbands, how to be a good wife, how to be a wife. And then we turn around and let all those things that God has done. Because it wasn't our founding pastor, it wasn't me, it wasn't the minister, it was God. But we take all of the things that God has done for them, and we let them be the reason why I'm not in church. Them very things. Everything that God placed to get you where you are. Now, if I don't even come to church or have come to church. You let those things be the reason why I'm not in ministry. You let it be the, the reason why I'm not involved. You let those things be the reason why, listen, I keep taking the call that God put on my life and shoving it in a drawer somewhere, folding it away. There 
are more than four or five men under 45 or 50 in this ministry, listen, they should be carrying the gospel at C-O-L-W alone. That should be more than four. The devil. But our priorities have taken everything, all the foundation that you think that was your It was never your own. It's because your parents brought you here. They was here. They grew you up here. And everything you've learned, now none of it. I use everything that it has blessed me with. Or called, called, or uh, 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 made it possible for me to do. I've, I've taken all that, and that's my priority. Now, mm-hmm. many of us got wives and quit God. It's sad to see. Or chasing a wife, or chasing a husband. Chasing a husband, chasing a wife, and quit God. I don't care because she's coming sitting here. That, that's not, you quit God a long time ago. That's what God said. They got a wife. They got a husband. They quit me a long time ago. Got a husband. Quit God. Got children. Quit God. And then we all have to tell God that lie. Okay, God, when I get married, then I'll yield. No, you won't. Just give me my wife. And just let me get my husband, and then I'm going to serve you. No, you won't. You will not. I'll yield to you, God. No, your priority is your priority. i got to have my wife. Okay, you quit God a long time ago. I don't care about what you get up and do. I'm going to believe what God said. God said they quit me a long time ago. They let what they grew up in, what they know to do, be the reason why they are not able to do it. Lord, I'll serve you when I get a wife. No, you won't. All I need is a husband. Just give me a husband. Just give me a baby. Babies are not created to make you happy. Many of you should know that by now. When you lose sleep, you ain't that happy. Let Isaiah tell you. It ain't even cute, Mom. I'm going to tell you, that's work. A baby's not going to save your marriage. It's not going to keep your marriage. A woman, a husband is not going to save your marriage, ain't going to keep your marriage. A wife is not going to save your marriage and ain't going to keep your marriage. Let me tell you, at the end of the day, because remember, a long time ago I told you, I told you you're going to get it on the back end. And you ain't even at the back end. And you're miserable now. The back end is going to be worse. Why? Because I quit God a long time ago. If you, okay, God, I don't even have to be married. Just show me who I will and I'll obey you. No, you won't. Oh, he have to be married to him right now. No, no, you won't. Well, I just want to see it because I know I got a calling on my life. And if I get up there, I don't want to be distracted. So I need to know who my wife. No. No. That's the biggest bunch of crap. 
always trying to justify why you are all against the Word of God. I mean, you get so into it and you're not married and they be like, what? Oh, well, I do like you, but aren't you going to be a preacher? No, I ain't no preacher, woman. See, you do all of that. All you're trying to do is get a wife or get a husband. And in your mind, all you're saying is, Father, I just want to give me a wife, give me a husband, go let us build a life together. And you know, and I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I just want to build a life with them and then I don't really have to deal with the Lord. And really, now, let me, getting a baby is really the ultimate because once I get a baby, I can always tell God I'm busy. I couldn't do it because I'm busy. The baby. The children. But behind all of that, you quit God. You could use all of that, but it's nothing. And when you tell God you're too busy, and, and those of you in college, yeah, I'm going to serve God as soon as I get out of college. No, you won't. If you ain't serving Him now, you're not going to do it when you get out of college. You're not going to do it. That's what I want. Yeah, but that's why. And then, then, but listen, but then after you get settled into the marriage, settled into parenthood and stuff, now I want to do something for God. What? You quit him a long time ago, so tell me what do you have to give? Uh, seeing your body here is nothing. That's nothing. And if you get up and try to talk about God, you're going to stumble through everything because you have nothing. I'm talking about God changing our heart. Let us see. I must allow God's Word to bear fruit in my heart. In other words, I have to keep the correction in my heart long enough for it to produce some fruit. That's why you have to practice correction. You got to keep it in there long enough so it can produce fruit. Listen, if the doctor told me tomorrow you need to eat fruit, eating an apple tomorrow won't do. That's not sufficient. I have to keep eating the apple and the vegetables or whatever they're telling me he's telling me to eat. I can't do it one day. I got to keep doing it until my body Looks different, feels different. Sometimes you have to stick with correction long enough before it actually shows up. And see, we never stay with it long enough to change our hearts. Second point to change our hearts. I have to allow the Holy Spirit to change my heart. Go with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Run over there. I hope y'all getting it. Don't hey, don't get offended. Get this word, but 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 if you have a concrete heart, it has nowhere to go. We got that. Listen to me, and please write this down. The Holy Spirit manifests His love through correction. <laughs> he manifests His love through correction. Now, see, that's something that you wasn't thinking, correction. But that's the way his love is manifested. 
Sometimes you can see it through different ways or hear it different ways. Sometimes he yells at you. Sometimes he sounds like your mother. Sometimes he sounds like your father. Sometimes he whispers. But notice, whenever he's speaking, he's correcting something. He's correcting something. Sometimes it's a still small voice. Sometimes it's, get, get on out of here. <laughs> you just don't recognize it. But however he's going to speak to you in correction, it's going to be the manifestation of it all is his, is his love. See, you got to know that. Even everything that I just said, that you might think she's being mean, God is just, that was a manifestation of his love. He didn't have to show you that. He could have left you like that. That's a manifestation of his love. Let, let, let me show you about love. Have you ever had something in your nose? we just going to say something. We're going to call it something in your nose. Okay. And you've been talking to people and walking around or maybe even, you know, you done been, I'm just because you, let's say you was teaching family life and singing in the choir. And then all of a sudden somebody come over to you and say, oh, you might want to just kind of, and you be, you be like, what? And then you start thinking about how many people you've been in front of it. And you be like, oh my God, everybody been in there and ain't nobody said nothing. They've been watching me and nobody said nothing. But the person who told you that told you that because they loved you enough for you not to walk around embarrassing looking like booger man. And so they loved you enough for that. Listen to me. I'm trying to make a point here. Just what God just did, he loves us enough for us not to walk around with our behinds out. He's not going to let us do it. I don't care how you don't like what was said. He's like, your behind is out. I'm trying to cover you. And I'm not going to let you just walk around with your behind out like that. We ought to be thankful for correction because it covers our behinds. While you're walking around when it's showing. You, you, I mean, you, you, you still think about that thing. You, everybody's talking about. <laughs> you be like, it's been three hours I've been walking around. Yeah. And then you wonder to yourself, why didn't somebody else tell me that? Don't have to worry about it. All you know is the one person that did told, that told you to wipe your nose. That's enough. They loved you enough. The Holy Spirit loves you enough. He's telling you today, wipe your nose. He's the person on the inside, on the inside that loves us enough to let us, He's not going to let us walk around in embarrassment. He's showing it to you because He said you, you're in embarrassment, so I'm trying to cover your behind. One thing my husband always did, always, always did was correct me. But you know what? And I, you know, I'm human. He would correct me and I'd get upset about it, whatever. But you know what? At the end of the day, you know what I always knew? He always had my back. Always. 
whether he was correcting me or nothing. I stay mad for a little bit, but I always get right where I need to be. Why? Because he always had my back. And everything he was correcting me about, it was right. And and some of the times I would correct him about something that wasn't very often. That wasn't very often because uh, you don't know. I mean, you have to know what type of man he was to to. He was a different kind of man. But even with that, he would always he was a yielding man. But whenever he would correct me, I always knew the Bible. I never thought he was doing anything to hurt me. I never thought he was doing anything. It was always, always because he had my back. And I was always grateful. He always was looking out for me. Church, the Holy Spirit correcting us, that is comforting. Every time he's correcting you, know he's got your back. He's not trying to put you down. He's saying, I have your back. You have someone on the inside looking out for you. Now that should give you comfort. When the Holy Spirit shows up and tells you that you're wrong, it's because everyone else was just letting you be wrong. It's because everybody else was letting you be wrong. But thank God, he, he is comforting. To, it's so comforting to know that He's not going to let me be out there with my behind showing just being wrong. And that's comforting. Because other folks will let you be out there as an embarrassment. Watch this in John 14, verse 22. Are you in John chapter 14? Not me. Uh, verse 22. Judah said unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? In other words, how is it that we have you as father and the world does not know you? Look at verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will, sh will love him, and we will come unto him, and make an abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which we hear is not mine, but the father's which, who sent me. Verse 25, These things have I spoken unto the you, being yet present with you. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. To every one of you, listen and understand what I am saying. I won't be with you after tonight. Tomorrow I won't be with you. You'll be by yourself. But you're not alone. You got the Holy Spirit with you to help you. See, I'm not going to be with you to keep teaching you this over and over again. But I'm not sending you out comfortless. You got somebody in you. Jesus left somebody in you. You're not going out by yourself. You got help. The Holy Spirit. 
and everything that you're learning. I'm telling you, he'll teach it to you again and he'll bring it back to your remembrance. Everything that's being taught here, he's going to bring it back to your remembrance tomorrow. And when does it let... You know, you have to let it comfort you. Letter A. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to help you see sometimes... The, uh, you have to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to help you see. He, let Him help you see. Some things you can't see. The Holy Spirit wants to help us, you know, when we are resistant. When you are trying to justify us. Let Him help you out of that. You know, how many of you know just in the natural things, there are people you want to help, but for some reason, they reject your help. Have you ever wanted to help somebody and they just reject your help? For example... And, and, and it's funny to watch these new parents. I just laugh at them. And I'll let them be. Because they're stupid. I, I'm just, I'm just going to say it straight up. I, you know what? We're going to be real and going to be just straight up right now. Okay? And it makes you laugh. Because see, we've had children. We know it. I mean, a lot of these parents around here thinking that. They just won't say it. But I'm just going to say it. Because I'm under the anointing. I probably would never tell you that just if I wasn't up under the anointing, but I'm going to tell you under the anointing, just stupid. Straight up stupid. But it's really funny to watch them. I watch my son with his first one, especially with those first children. <laughs> I remember when we first brought Layla home and stuff, and I told Isaiah, I said, oh, well, uh, just let her come on and stay all night for no. Oh, Mom, I just don't know. Ooh, I just can't. Th- huh? <laughs> I almost went to laugh right there. I said, oh, oh, amen. Let me, let me tell you parents something. You don't have to, let me tell you, you don't have to worry about children getting mad at you or whatever they're doing. Let them get mad. If they got babies, they'll be back. Let them get mad. Run from them. Girl, you ain't got to eat them up. You ain't got to do none of that. They will be looking for you. But what gets me is that the parents, you, with the grandparents, why do they feel like they try to act like you didn't raise them? I mean, they want to go to 7-Eleven. They're going to try to give you a rule book about the child. And you're looking at them like, what the devil? And they, 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 they eat. I remember when, when Sister Martin had Rye. Oh, Lord. She brought so many instructions back to that day. To that. And we wasn't here. We was in the other place. It was all written down. Tathia came. No. See, after your second and third, anybody could have them. You know, you... It's amazing. Them first ones, you want to do everything perfect. You know, you just want to keep them. And you want to every, do everything on your own because you just want it to be so perfect. Just stupid. But anyway, you just do all of that. You learn. But get a second one and a third one. Oh, let me tell you, when uh, Layla, you had to wash your hands before you picked her up and just doing all that. Isaiah came. You could have came in the house with mud on your hands. Here, you want to take them? You get two or three, you'll be like, anybody want to keep them. They don't have to stay together. You, you don't have to take both of them. Take one. Just take them, Lord Jesus. And then they'll be like, what time you want them back? you like, whenever you get time. You're like, there is no time limit. And you have some instructions, have fun. 
That's the instruction. There's no other instruction. But that comes with the second and third. Them first ones, oh, you know, it's just perfect everything. You don't want, oh, oh please, please don't give me nothing, hand me down. Second and third, wear those clothes. Them first ones, you want pampers. The next ones, you want Dollar General pampers. You don't care if it leaks on the side. You don't get it. Give me it. Put them on anything. Post second and third babies. They just, poor Isaac. Isaac said, Mom, do you have any pictures of me out there? He said, I've seen Isaiah's. Where's mine? I said, you know what? Don't even go there. He said, really? Ah, you got pictures of Isaiah when he was a baby? Where's mine? I said. I said, oh, yeah, oh, I had the nurture we all made up and all that stuff. He was on his dad's chest. We all in the bed, all crooked over. And he's then his dad holding him, and I'm holding him. And then he put him back over here, and then I hold him a little. Isaac came. He was thrown so far, and that baby get out of the room. He was in his own room. Poor Isaac. He would look through the deal like anybody want me? No. I used to go by Isaiah's house, poor little Isaiah. He'd be laying down, so, oh, baby. Because Layla was always in somebody's head. And Isaiah's tail on the floor. I said, I call him the, he all right, baby. Because they're talking about, oh, you still sitting here. Isaiah look at you, he's all right. I, I said, oh, he's all right, baby. Them second and third babies. And it's not that you don't love them more, you learn. And I'm saying all this, I mean, it's funny we laugh because all of you can laugh because you all were stupid too. I was. That's why I laugh at the stupid ones now. But I didn't know this kind of word because Isaiah's tail would have been thrown way over. And I remember him, oh, when we tried to break him from sleeping with us. And the baby, his dad would take him. Nope, he's going back to that bed. He's going. And then he got smart. He was about that little. And he'd walk around to the bed. And he'd feel his dad. Because his dad had a beard. And he felt his dad beard on that side. He'd come around. <laughs> I had to go back to the bed. He'd come back to mine. Here I go. Let him in. Bring him. Let him in up under the deal. And let him go to go to sleep. And his dad would wake up. That boy's not in his bed. Ow, stop that. He needs to go back to his bed. And, uh, and, and, cause Matthew, you know, he wouldn't pick him up. He'd walk him back. If I take him back, I'ma hold him, take him back, and, and, you know, lay down with him. And I said, put your tail in there. And there you go. He said, what? Stop letting him get in. But here, let me tell you, babies are smart. He knew. He's like, I don't want the bearded one. He's like, Oh no, I'm on the wrong side of the bed. <laughs> Cause he's gonna take me back. Thank God he sleeps hard. That he and I gonna wake up. And then he, and he come back, touch me, and I look around like, oh, let me let him in. Come on in. Come on in and lay on down. Isaac, no way. Get your tail. Let me to poor Isaac. But then he was used to being in a baby bed by himself. Then when I would try to put him in there, because he was used to it, he didn't like it. He wanted to be by himself and, and, and do whatever. But I'm saying all of that. Let me get back to this because, uh, yeah, yeah, y'all mess it. Stop it. Now, uh, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make a, a point here. And the point I'm trying to make is when you're trying to help somebody and they reject it. 
And see, you try to help the young parents. You try to tell them what they need to do. And they think they know because, you know, they need to burp. Well, like, we don't know that. You know, they, you know, they try to give you and you, you just going to 7-Eleven for a quick run and you got to give them a whole list, all that kind of foolishness. That's nothing. All of that. Get, get, when you see parents like that, they need two more children. And that'll break all of that. Amen. Amen. And some of us need to get just like that. You know, with the Holy Ghost want to help us. You need to say, come on, I need, I need it. I need your help. Whatever I'm doing, just, you know, I, I want it gone. I want, I'm not going to reject your help. I'm not going to try to negotiate. I'm not going to do any of that. I want your help. Because the Holy Spirit knows what you're doing. And He's trying to help you. Amen? And then we have to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us. Because I need to be taught. Now watch this. The Holy Spirit is going to teach you, listen, what you thought you knew. But you're not doing. He's going to teach you what you thought you knew, but you're not doing. (laughs) You better get that one. That's what he's going to teach you. What you thought you knew, and you're not doing it. Letter C. I must allow the Holy Spirit to remind me. So I need the Holy Spirit to remind me when I'm out of character. Because how many of you know that sometimes the Holy Spirit is trying to remind us that we're not, and we're not trying to hear it. He's trying to remind us and tell us, you're out of character. Why? Because I want to do what I want to do. And because I want to do what I want to do, don't try to remind me of that. I know you're not trying to correct me, yeah. And, and you know yourself, I know I'm not supposed to say this. I know I'm not supposed to do this. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it and I'm going to ask God to forgive me later. I know that the Bible says a soft word, you know, turns away wrath, but uh-uh, but my wrath is, I have wrath enough that they ain't going to turn away today. They act a fool with me. I, no, they didn't drive in front of me. I'm going to act a fool today. And the Holy Spirit's like, you're out of character. You're out of character. I know the Bible said, let no corrupt communication come out of my mouth. But you know what? I got to type something there. I know they said this on here. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no. I got If I don't say this now, somebody, if they, you be typing all oh, typos, you don't care. You just got to say something. And the Holy Spirit said, out of character. I know that they say whatever's done in the dark is going to be exposed to light. But guess what? You're not the flashlight. You need to understand that. You ain't got to go in, you know, robust. I, I know that, but I'm going to reveal that. I'm going to make that seem. You don't have to make it seem. Let me tell you, this is what Christians need to understand. Listen, the only thing a Christian is allowed to shine light on is themselves. I know we feel like I'm the light. God said, yeah, but shine it on you. God don't need your light to expose darkness. He's the light. He don't need your He need your light to shine the darkness in you. He's the light. I'm just trying to bring it out. Let the Holy Spirit remind you of your job and his. Go with me right quick to Ephesians chapter 4. Last scripture we're going to. Ephesians chapter 4. Point three, to change my heart, 
I must allow authority to change my heart. And I definitely want to get this one before we end. I must allow authority to change my heart. Now here's the thing. Authority is not absolute. God uses authority, listen, listen, to correct us. Did you hear me? God uses authority to correct us and to change our hearts. Here's what we have to learn. Correction from authority is love. Write it down. Correction from authority is love. Now I'm going to give you young and old alike a piece of advice. And I'm going to wait for you to get through writing so you can hear it. Now this, I'm going to give you this advice. And I'm going to tell you, this is, you better grab this and you better own it. You had better own it. Because it's going to help you. Don't ever let the adversary cause you to marginalize, listen, someone who's in authority. When I say marginalize, that is to make them seem insignificant. Or to make it like they're nothing. Never, ever let the, the, the adversary make you marginalize anybody in authority. Hmm. When I say that, don't ever, never, ever start to think them as your peer in your mind. Not somebody in authority. They're not your peers in your mind. That's why you don't come out talking any kind of way to authority. See, again, once again, people begin to look at the person. No, it's the authority that God has given. Once you marginalize them, you'll say anything. Talk any kind of way to authority and think God is going to use you. Never do that. Never. Absolutely never. Listen. God uses authority to correct us and to change our hearts. Correction from, from authority is always love. Never think of, of someone in authority as your peer. Don't let the adversary marginalize some of these young adults here now that's getting in place. Listen. For some of you that are older, listen. Than them. They start, you know, you, you start to think, you know what, mm-mm. You, you need to stop thinking of them as children in, their, in your mind. You got to know. Because let me tell you, some of these young adults in here, they're about to be ministry heads. And they're going to be getting in offices. And they will have some authority. And, I, and they're going to have authority over you. I don't care if you had them in, in, in youth group. I don't care if you've known them since they were little. Let me tell you, once God put them in office, there's an authority. And then the authority needs to never marginalize themselves. Because then you won't correct. You got to make sure. Let me tell you, I'm back there with the youth with the, because I'm, we're doing some little transitions and things. But when I'm back there with the youth, I can talk to them on that level. But none of them never think of me as a youth. 
no adult. Because let me because you have to always leave room where you can correct. So you come off talking any kind of way to authority, you're in so much trouble with God and don't even know it. Remember what I told you about Samuel coming? I told him, ooh, let me move back. Did you just come charge me up? Boy, you'll be the fool around. God said, like, we talking about what happened to Samuel? About Stephanie's business. No, no, no. And, and you know, we laugh and joke about it and, and, and everything, but, but in, in all seriousness. And people take it lightly. People came against their pastor. They just take that lightly. They don't, they, they don't think nothing of it. And in so much trouble with God, never marginalize that. Don't let the, the adversary will get you in that rim. Some of these young people, I'm telling you, they're going to be ministry heads. They're going to be preachers and leaders and forces in this church. And you're going to have to yield. Because once they get then, they'll start speaking out of an office, not of themselves. And then you'll come and say, well, wait a minute. We all was in the youth group together. Or we all, how, how are you going to tell me something now? We were just at IHOP last week. Yeah, but when I was in IHOP, I wasn't in my office. But now I'm in the office, and I have to correct this. You correcting me now? Where'd you get? Because, see, I'm in an office. As long as you don't recognize an office, you're going to look at a person. Then you can do any old foolish, nasty thing and get yourself in trouble with God. Listen, you can be old enough to be a person's grandparents. God put them in an office. They have authority. They have a position with God. If God placed them in that position, they are now in authority. And I don't care how much you don't believe that they are. They are. They're not. They are. You don't tell God who to put in authority. But once they're in the office. And God uses authority to correct us. Who else is he going to use? He's going to use authority to correct us. And that's why you don't have to worry about no age. Because authority doesn't have anything to do with the birth date. Authority is an office that can be occupied in any birthday. Lest we forget this one thing. Let me tell you this. This is what I told you when I said, you're going to find out something about Jesus. Do you all know that if Jesus was walking the earth now in the ministry that he had, you know what meeting he'll be in? The Friday night meeting. The next gen meeting. Why? Because he was 30. And had disciples. And none of them, not a one of them say, because uh, uh, all of his disciples was older than him. Not a one of them said, well, he's too young. And I don't know. I ain't, what the? I didn't do, no, no, no. He had authority. And you probably wouldn't even be able to accept it. And, and he's the new gen. Yeah, he was 30. See, you didn't recognize that. You'd be thinking, oh, well, he's got time to grow up. And he was the Messiah. At 30. Never heard once in the scripture where the disciples said, this young man is too young for to, to be telling us what to do. You never heard the multitude when he was teaching say, oh, he's a child. 
What business does he have to try to tell us what to do? How are you going to tell us about the gospel? The, 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 the multitude didn't say, you know, I don't think he spent enough time in seminary or cemetery. I don't know if, I don't know, you know, I don't know if Isaac can escogee the word like that. It's an office. It's an office. You don't have to be in a theological environment to be in an office. You just got to obey God. Sometimes we want to bring people down. And, and uh, with, with this, you know, and sometimes because you've known them as a friend, once they get in the office, they're not your friend. <laughs> they're not your friend. Not in that moment. Somebody might have been your peer, but once they're in their office, they're no longer your peers. Oh, let's take it further. They might have been your relative. Once they're in that office, they're no longer your relative. They're in the office. You oh Lord. I'm trying to teach us something tonight. I'm out of time, but I, I want you to know that we're not going to marginalize anybody that's in authority. I laugh and I joke with some of you and, you know, I talk to you about different things and we laugh and joke about things. But when it comes to the office that I stand in, I do not play with that office at all. And I take it very serious. And you should take it very serious. And, and let me tell you, you don't do any and everything with, with, with in that office. Now everybody, write down Ephesians. I'm not going to go through through all of them because we're out of time. But Ephesians 4, chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. It talks about us being fitly joined together and compacted. If we're going to do the work of God, we've got to be that way. Amen. And listen, the authorities, the authorities job, because we still, we still have to remember about authority. Authority is to protect us. Let me tell you, the way you stay protected, stay under authority. Because guess what? The devil's going to lay a trap and a snare for you. You got to stay up under authority. You know, a trap is different from a snare. Did you know that? A trap and a snare is different. Don't they have snares on those things too? But a trap, let me tell you, when, when a trap is set, it's there to, uh, uh, to it's, it's going to be hidden, not in plain sight, so it can trap you. A snare is what you set up when somebody's doing, used to doing a routine, and you slip it in to get them off their routine. How rabbits get snared is because, and they put a snare for it, not a trap, is because the rabbit's going to always go back to the same hole. That's how you get snared. So a snare is always going to intervene when you do the normal thing you do. Where a trap is laid for you to fall into. 
But a snare is going to get you because ah, you always do it this way and I'm gonna be, the enemy is going to be right there to set the snare. Got you. It's going to be with your same thing that you always done. That's a snare. Did you hear me? That's a snare. And, uh, and authority is there to keep you out of traps and snares. Tonight, God is saying, I'm keeping you out of a trap and a snare of the enemy. Because some of the things, that's why, that's why you have to change. Because the snare is going to get you in what you always do. Did you hear me? The trap is going to be laid for you to fall into. It's going to be hidden, but you're going to fall into. But the snare is waiting for you to do the same thing that you always done. Grab you. Recognize the enemy. Recognize him trying to get you there and make the difference. We're going to continue on this subject. I want you to go home. It's time to do the hard work, the inside work, the work, the unseen work. It's time. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.org.